and welcome to EG's Voice of the Region with me, Jim Larkin. Um, now, regular listeners will know that over the course of the past 18 months, this series has zigzagged across the country, getting the lowdown from agents on particular regions or sectors, uh, but we are yet to look specifically at what we all know in our hearts is the most important news type of all, um, and I am obviously talking about pubs. Uh, the hospitality sector has endured a torrid start to the decade with Covid and Brexit presenting a pincer-like disruption to business as usual, and yet pubs have proved remarkably robust. So how is the sector reinventing itself post-pandemic? What could the future look like for the humble British boozer? And crucially, what help will it need from government and beyond to get there? Well, to answer all that and more, I am very pleased to be enjoying a virtual pint with James Davies, who is a director and head of national agency at Florette's. And James really should know what he's talking about, as Florets currently tops the Radius On Demand rankings for the hotel and leisure sector nationally, and is the reigning annual Radius leader in the disposal of drinking establishments across the UK. So pull up a pew and let's get stuck in. James, hello, how are you? Good morning, Jim. Yep, very well, thank you. All things considered. <laughs> There's a lot to consider, isn't there? We'll, we'll get, in, get into that. Um, but anyway, uh, with the exception of maybe wartime, um, the pub sector can't have faced a, a more turbulent couple of years than those it's just been through. And I mean, not just because of, you know, COVID when they were literally barred from opening, but also with, you know, Brexit related staffing difficulties. And now there's a you know big recession that we're staring down the barrel of. Um, but despite all this, from a customer point of view anyway, um, the sector still feels quite vibrant. You know, places seem to be busy. New units are still opening up. Um, so kind of what's your big picture analysis of the state of the market and the, and the general occupier sentiment out there? Um... Okay, uh, there's a couple of things wrapped up there. I, I think, generally speaking, um, before we went into lockdown or before COVID, um, the, the the market across the whole of leisure was was in a in a fantastic place. Mm -hmm. So it, we were starting from a high, if you like. Um, it, it, even you know, Bre Brexit, the um, the fallout from Brexit was too early at that point. That's happened as at the same time as COVID, really. Um, people have, have sort of migrated back, you know, uh, back home. Um, so we've we've lost a, a, a you know a fair a fair skill set at the same time as coping with lockdown and COVID. Um, I think that the the reflective time that that lockdown has given everyone um, has made people realise the value of certain things in their life. Mm -hmm. Maybe things that you just take for granted, uh, you know, going to the cinema, going out bowling, darts, or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever takes your fancy. But most importantly, the pub and, and, and eating out, um, you know, the amount of conversations that I've had with people who, you know, just just couldn't wait to get back to the pub um, and, and would, would spend more time doing so because they'd lost out for so long. So I think... Um, the, the most concise thing I can say to you is, is post lockdown, the, the sector saw a significant honeymoon period. I think it's, it's probably the best way to put it. Trade was exceptionally strong. Um, this year, where, where we sit right now, uh, like for like sales uh, for, the, for the top UK managed houses are generally down around 3% uh, from September uh, 2021. Um, but they are up around 4% from pre-pandemic uh, uh, times. So I suppose 
that goes to emphasize the point I make about the honeymoon period um, and also sort of show that actually it, it, it's remained pretty robust. Good stuff. Okay. I mean, have you found kind of over the last couple of years you've been busier than normal in terms of the, the new instructions you've taken on? Uh, no, uh, right. <laughs> uh, quite quite the opposite, actually. Um, we, uh, at Florette's, we, we're used to a significant volume of uh, of instructions. Um, but generally speaking, I think the ownership structure of a lot of the major companies has changed. So the need to uh, to, to, to um, pay off debt has changed. Uh, and they've looked at other ways to uh, to make money out of their uh, assets. So ra rather than rather than just selling, um, we have been very busy. Uh, there's been a huge amount of activity in the markets, um, but there's been a lot more uh, in the M&A uh, sector than straightforward Mr. And Mrs. Blogs selling to Mr. And Mrs. Jones. So I suppose less less transactional, but but probably at a, at, a, at a higher at a higher level. Um, now, um, people have been talking about, you know, the demise of the traditional pub for, for some time now, uh, but it feels like we're seeing a bit of a shift in uh, demand, possibly accelerated by the pandemic, as so much has been, um, away from those sort of traditional big detached pub units that have been around for decades and where the offering yeah. is, you know, pints and burgers and Sky Sports on a Sunday, whatever, um, towards smaller yeah. places that are opening up in, you know, what were former shop units with, a, you know, perhaps a more artisan approach to, to the drinks on offer. Um, so perhaps, you know, pubs overall not less popular, but just certain types of them, you know, there's been a shift in demand. Would that be fair? Uh, very, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that cons the, the the consumer expectation has changed uh, quite considerably. Not not just the last two years, may, maybe the last ten, fifteen. Um, you know, palettes have changed, become more demanding for a better quality uh, product. Hmm. Um, you know, the the rise uh, of experiential leisure. Uh, I mean, I mentioned earlier about bowling and whatever else. They're the more traditional forms. Um, but you know, things like flight club and and you know, you can now play cricket and and, and do shuffleboarding and, and 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 whatever you really takes your fancy. So, um, people need you know more uh, to keep their interest. Um, so, yeah, we've absolutely seen a, a shift. I mean, like, yeah, where I live, um, it's quite an interesting case study. Um, I, yeah. I live in Stratford in Manchester off, you know, the Stratford end of Fane um, and moved for about 15 years ago. And the town centre had three pubs, um, all very much in the sort of traditional boozer mould. Um, two of which I was too scared to go ahead and go into. Um, and the other one was sort of, you know, fine for watching football, but that was about it. Um, and... <laughs> all of them have just kind of withered away no one could really make them work um but what's interesting is that kind of no one really minds because we've had about half a dozen new places open up in you know units that used to be banks or shops and the offering is kind of now it's more diverse and it's a more pleasant place to be um is yeah. that something you've seen kind of more broadly or have i just been gentrified uh, uh, well i'm i'm a liverpool fan so anything around i noticed from the shirt behind you that's that, that's not there uh, on purpose. That, that's, that's just waiting to be framed. But yeah, uh, Stratford's probably not my best example of gentrification, yeah, if you don't mind. Um, the, but as, a, as a serious point, uh, without doubt, um, there are you, you, there are thousands of examples all around the country where that where, where that's happened. Um, planning changed, so pubs are now sui generis. 
and it, it opened up uh, Class E, uh, which allowed food focused operators to benefit from uh, relaxation in planning laws. Um, licensing remains pretty contentious, um, but it has uh, opened up options. So there is still a place for the traditional boozer, uh, very much so, and, and long may that continue. Um, but customers, as we said earlier, are demanding a greater experience, which is why you've seen the rise of craft beer and cocktail bars. Um, that there are, you know, I suppose a, a, a number, be, be, be wrong for me to put a number on it, of unviable pubs, uh, but new entrants are providing some fantastic experiences. Um, uh, uh, I suppose the, the, probably the best one from a, a national profile uh, that comes to mind is loungers. Um, loungers have, have created a, a product that's, that's uh, grown unbelievably, um, that, that uh, offers something for you know, pretty much everyone uh, and can sit within that sort of uh, 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 e, e user class that we talked about. Okay, so the rules have kind of changed and made it much more easier to you know, open up pretty much wherever you want. It, yeah, I mean, it, as, as I say, it depends on, on the type of venue that, that is required. So something like loungers can sit into an ex-retail uh, uh, unit uh, very well. Um, it, you know, you're not going to have the character of a, of a traditional um, pub building, of course. Um, but it, what, what has shifted um, and, and looks like it's going to hang around is, is that all day concept that something like loungers can, can, can offer. So um, there are quite a few examples you know when i'm when i'm talking to different you know national uh, and, and regional uh, clients uh, where their trade shift has, has has changed quite significantly and some are even closing you know 10 o'clock at night they have a peak trading period in early evening um, and, uh, and people go home um, but they're still trading well so yeah i think that's probably gonna stay for good um, you kind of touched on this earlier that the kind of the pandemic it provided this kind of pause in people's lives for them to you know reassess and reassess their sort of lives and careers um, and decide that you know if it was now or never if they were ever going to follow their dreams and open that you know little little pub or bar they'd always wanted to. Um, are you finding you're now doing more deals with kind of individuals than than, than the big chains? Um, we 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 haven't. I, I wouldn't say that's the case over over the last couple of years. I, probably as much as we've we've ever done, um, but but the the corporate buyers and and if we if we assume corporate means anything from five units upwards, um, money has been cheap to borrow, um, as, as as we know, not 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 so much anymore, of course. Um, so so that that hunger for growth um, with corporates has, has has remained very strong. It's only now that we're starting to see that dip a bit because, you know, understandably, companies are cautious, uh, you know, keeping their cash flowing um, and, and probably, you know, without trying to sound too negative, I'd imagine that, that November will be uh, pretty tough uh, and I'd imagine that December should be should be pretty good. Um, so I think what it does do is, as you said, it makes people reevaluate where they are in life and uh, and I think We've started, um, whether this will continue, but we've started to see uh, people coming in from other sectors now, um, which which I haven't seen for maybe 15 years. So, so yes, I think you're right. <laughs> okay. I mean, on the subject of, of big chains, um, a couple of months ago, Weatherspoons announced it was going to sell 32 of its pubs. Um, what can we read into this? Does that have kind of wider implications for the sector? No. Right. Um, 
uh, is the short answer. Um, Weatherspoons is a company of something like 800 pubs. Mm. Um, they're uh, always going to have a tail. Uh, by tail, I mean as in the, the poor performing sites. And I think the 32 that that that, that have, have come to the market recently are, are exactly that. Um, you know, I, I I'm not I'm not dealing with those personally, but but I've had a look at them. You know, they're you know maybe some with with higher rents or or in less desirable locations, um, but you know it represents whatever the the exact number is, but something like three and a half four percent I suppose of, of their of their total pub. So it's yeah. Um, I, I don't think it has any, any any great effect, although it might look like it. I appreciate, but but in reality, no, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't worry about weather spins. Okay, all right. Um, okay, now um, kind of going back to lockdown. I mean, I remember reading on Twitter on certain days during the, yeah. the worst days of it, um, and at least half of it was just people complaining how much they missed the pub. Um, so you know, even though supermarkets were open, people could buy beer or wine or whatever. Um, they kind of realised there was something unique about a proper pint in a in a proper pub and all the interaction that comes with that. Um, did that serve to really turbocharge demand from occupiers looking for units once restrictions were eased? Yeah, um, uh, as again, as we touched on earlier, you know, the, um, the 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 volume of of sort of disposals that that that, that you might see in the market from from florets, and it's still been, you know, we've still been very active. There's still been a lot comparatively to the rest of the market, but um, we have done a lot more um, off-market deals than, than than we've traditionally uh, been used to, um, which is strength of relationship with with clients and. And just knowing what, what they're looking to buy, there's there's been a huge hunger uh, to to acquire. You know, there's there's uh, I think in, in the early days of lockdown, I think there there were uh, some 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 buyers out there expecting to see uh, things come to the market at a discounted price, and in the end, we saw the opposite. Um, so so yes, there, there's been a, a lot of a, a lot of uh, acquisition. Uh, individuals and, and, and the number of companies that have been acquired in the last couple of years. Um, and do you think the pandemic's kind of changed what we want from a pub and how we use it? I mean, are people still flocking en masse to city centres for a Friday or Saturday night out or are they staying more local? Um, I mean, do you think the kind of suburban market has benefited at the expense of, you know, the town centres or the city centres? Uh, yes, uh, I, I think that there's, there's certainly been a shift. Um, However, you know the the the, the latest stats show that, that that London is 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 sort of coming back to pre pre pandemic uh, figures. Um, people have got to get back to work, you know, at, at, uh, as in as in physical offices. Uh, you know, there, there's very there's a lot of very expensive space sat there in in city centres that 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 needs to be refilled with people. And you know, th there are benefits to working from home, um, but there's nothing like interacting face to face. You know, with uh, us, us speaking now is, is is great, but you know I'd much prefer to be, you know, sat in a pub with you having a, having a conversation. <laughs> so may, maybe next time that's what the, what we should do. Um, so, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. But yes, I think I think there probably has been a bit of a shift. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, I mean one of the other things we're starting to see a lot of kind of unwanted high street units being converted to residential use. I mean I was just reading about a, a massive Debenhams down in Southampton that's going to be you know a massive apartment building. Um, how helpful do you think that's going to be in terms of maintaining a, a nighttime economy for towns and cities? Cool. Um, I think that's a great question uh, and, and a, a difficult one to to, to answer. Um, it's you know. Uh, 
re residential and late night economy are uncomfortable bedfellows. Yeah. Uh, um, the uh, I, I think that what seems to have happened, and this isn't isolated, you know, you can you you, you could say this all around the country is there was a fair amount of residential development during lockdown in, in city centres, as you say, with closed units being converted, you know, closed office blocks and whatever being converted. Um, and I, I guess those residents became used to the town centres being quieter during, during lockdown. All of a sudden, things open up um, and, um, and it becomes noisy again. So there, there's been a, a significant rise in noise complaints. Um, uh, however, that late night economy has to be uh, protected in, in, in my opinion. Um, I think that we need to see uh, some planning regulations coming in uh, to, to protect it. Um, you know, a lot of these venues were there a long time before you know, the, uh, the, the, the new flat owners purchased. And uh, as I say, unless, unless you want to see a, a, you know, a complete change in, in how we all live, uh, they, they, they do need to be protected. There's, there's a um, Again, not involved personally, but I've, 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 you know, just in the trade press, I've read, you know, there's uh, Night and Day Cafe in Manchester um, as an example. You might know that, um, uh, you know, that that uh, uh, long-standing businesses like that have faced very expensive challenges due to noise complaints. Um, so, so yeah, you know, they're they're an important part of our culture, so so they need to be protected. Yeah, you do get people that in our twenties, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> no, you do get people that kind of move into, you know, a house next to a pub that's been there for like 100 years and then start complaining about the noise. And it's like, well, you know, you probably should have thought about that. Um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's common sense. It's common sense. You know, I mean, you you know, you that person is buying for the convenience of location, but then mm. complaining, you know, when they don't like it. It's, it, uh, you know, that's, as I say, it does, doesn't make sense. Uh, now, um, pubs are, you know, are kind of often referred to as assets of community value. Um, so when you're kind of instructed to sell the freehold of one, do you have like a kind of ideological preference for selling it to someone who's going to keep it open as a pub or are you just focused on getting the best price? And, and I mean, has that kind of been made easier by the you know, knowledge that you know, even if it doesn't remain as a pub, you know, someone will probably open one in a, a retail unit down the road? Um. If, if any if any clients are, are listening to this then <laughs> then i should say no we're focused on getting the best price um the uh, we uh I, I don't often say this because it's you know it's 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 only interesting to a point but we're, we're a 200 year old business and and a lot of us have, have been in the pub sector for a long time the reason why we've been in it for a long time is because we, we we love pubs and 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 so i i don't like to see any pubs closing down. Uh, I, I never do. Um, uh, however, I have to look at something objectively and and, and I guess through experience, um, sometimes you just know that it's just it's not viable. So even the most rose tinted, you know, view in, in the world, it's just not viable for, for whatever reasons that there are. And, and there, there, are, there, are, there are always quite a lot. Um, so it, it, it tends to look after itself. Um, so if something really isn't viable, then it goes for alternate use. Um, if it's viable, you don't have to worry about it because there'll be an operator who, who, who will buy it. And if it sits somewhere in the middle, then you know if, if there's interest from people who want to keep it as a pub, fantastic. And if there isn't, then something else happens to it. It's market driven. Yeah, okay. 
uh, right now, one of my favourite um, things to happen to the country um, in the last sort of 10, 15 years has been the craft ale revolution. I mean, I remember yeah. kind of the days of going to the pub and, you know, there'd be five different brands of lager and they were all the same, basically. People will pretend that otherwise, but they weren't. Um, whereas now I think people kind of expect to see a whole range of locally sourced IPAs or craft ales or whatever. Um, has that made the pub more attractive to customers? As for me, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I agree. I think it's I think it's been fantastic. Um, the uh, yes, um, without doubt, I think it's opened the uh, that 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 sector that drink sector up to a whole new audience, um, uh, an audience of, of probably non-traditional beer drinkers. Um, you know, uh, I, I was I was in um, uh, Bruges on a on a delayed you know a trip that had been delayed a few times because of COVID. We went about a month ago. And you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, there's no better place than than, than than to be looking at different beers there in a, in a, in a, sort of, in a small area. Um, but but you, you can see that right across the country now. Um, there are so many amazing uh, craft beer companies, uh, you know, either serving the, their local markets um, and, and not just going into pubs, but going to cafes, um, uh, 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 the, you know, um, there, there are some some Beaver Town is a, is a company that, that, that started so it's now it's now huge it's now you know, a national uh, international brand uh, so it's great to see and um, yeah I think it's now I, I remember I remember a time when the idea of pairing beer with food um, <laughs> you know it was either just a pie um, whereas now it, it's it's not unusual to see a a beer paired with with food in. Uh, in, in some pretty high profile restaurants. So, so yes, that's great. I, I, I love that. Sure. I mean, does that kind of play into the hands of the independent operators who, you know, maybe aren't tied to a particular brewery like in the old model? Yes. Um, the you, you said earlier about the, you know, some of the sort of blander operations. Mm. Um, when you have a huge volume of, of potential customers, you, you can get away with it being bland. Um, when that changes, you need to offer some kind of USP to get people to, to buy into it. And and it's a, a very emotive subject. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we've seen lots and lots of sort of independent independent uh, breweries um, who have then grown um, to to have like a, a, a brewery tap uh, that, that then grow into into small pub companies. Uh, so we, 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 yeah, that, that's, that's certainly been a growth sector. Okay. Um, now, we kind of touched on Brexit earlier, um, and I've kind of seen quite a few stories about pubs that kind of either no longer offer food or, or they've reduced the number of days it's available um, just because they can't get the, the kitchen staff and also because yeah. you know, raw material prices have kind of been pushed up to a point that they can't really pass on to customers. Um, how damaging is that for the sector? I mean, because, you know, the food side of things was for so long seen as where the money was. Uh, massively. Um, you know, staff shortages, um, skilled staff, staff shortages, um, has, has been a, a, an issue for um, well right the way through COVID, and, and you know stems from Brexit. Um, I think the there is a, a perception uh, uh, that uh, that it is not a skilled uh, uh, labour force, and, and it most certainly is. Uh, and uh, and I, I think a lot got uh, disillusioned, or as I said, went back to their native countries. Um, so yes, that's affected um, uh, a lot of businesses. 
um, sadly. So uh, I, I think I, I listened to the radio earlier and they were talking about trying to uh, shift um, uh, migration uh, again and, and there's quite a lot of pressure on governments to do so uh, and I think that, that needs to happen. Okay. Um, now kind of moving up to the present, um, it kind of feels like just as the sector was getting back on its feet post-pandemic we're now being clobbered by uh, the, the recession that's about to come and you know no one quite knows how bad it's going to be but it's not going to be great um uh, do you think there has the potential to be more harmful than covid and is there anything operators can do to kind of mitigate the impact um yeah i mean we we have a a a, a period of of the unknown um if you if you delve back into history in the financial crisis um without being um too blase about it of course um the it, it, it was just a financial crisis. And what I mean by that is that, uh, it, you know, it was horrendous, it's horrendous for a lot of people, um, but you didn't have inflation and, you know, therefore interest rates remained very low. Um, and so for the average person in the street, life was affected, but not as affected as, didn't hit the pocket quite in the same way as, as all of these different economic uh, uh, challenges that we face now uh, could do. So um, difficult to know. I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, we're recording this today just as it's been announced that there's been a, a 0.2% dip um, uh, in the economy um, uh, today, but it was predicted to be 0.5. So you could argue that's a, a real positive. Uh, we, we know we're going into a recession. How hard it's going to be, um, I think, will depend on um, how uh, able and willing the government are to provide support frankly um, we'll all still want to go out and you know it's it's an important part of our life balance to interact and, and enjoy ourselves so that will most certainly continue but i think the change in trading patterns uh, will uh, uh, will evolve on the back of you know uh, where we are now as, as far as the economy is concerned Okay. Which, uh, so, so sorry, uh, early week trade, I think, might be affected even more. Yeah, yeah, sure. OK, um, that probably leads me quite nicely onto my next question, which is that um, if you had a magic wand, what, what would you do with it to help the sector out? Can I have two magic wands? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Uh, I was asked this the other day, which is which the, the, the two things I would do are a long term significant cut in VAT mm-hmm. um, to help cash flow with, with businesses. I think that's, that's incredibly important that that, that that is taken on board by the government. Um, and uh, if I had a magic wand, as you, as you said, then I, I would, I would uh, bring back the skilled labour that has been lost in the last couple of years. I think they are the two uh, operational and financial um, uh, uh, benefits which we could really do with at the moment. What's interesting is you don't really need a magic wand for those, they're both things the government could do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, maybe maybe I'll, I'll go and protest on the M25 and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, everyone else is, why not? Okay. Um, <laughs> Now, um, Florette, um, you're currently sitting comfortably in the top spot in the radius rankings for yeah. hotels and leisure, which includes, you know, pubs across the UK. Um, what do you feel you're getting right at the moment? Um, I don't want to sound conceited uh, when you say this, because, <laughs> you know, um, I, I think that uh, that um, we, 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 we very much uh, emphasise on a positive culture internally uh, and, and, and allowing 
people to you know to to, to treat the business like it's their own um, uh, in, in terms of how the, how they work and uh, and we've got some in, incredible talent around the country who uh, have, have, are very experienced and have long-term relationships with people so that in itself builds up a quite considerable amount of goodwill it's not a conscious decision it happens over time um, and I think that has has you know we've, we've, we've really benefited benefited sorry uh, from that in, in, in the last couple of years um, but as I said it's not uh, I uh, human nature dictates you don't like to talk about your own success do you say so, um, but uh, uh, yeah <laughs> we, we work hard at it yeah, good stuff. OK, um, and just finally, um, you signed up to Radius last year. Yeah. Um, how are you finding using it and how helpful is it to be able to show you know, the rest of the market? How well are you doing? Yeah, I mean, we, we have a, um, a PR and marketing manager uh, uh, within threats. I mean, we are we we uh, we always say we punch above our weight because, because we are actually still a, a pretty small company um, and, and have a, a fairly decent profile. So uh, tomorrow uh, certainly helps that. Um, so uh, being able to refer back to Radius and see where we are and to, to use some of the stats uh, have, have proved to be very valuable. So I mean that's certainly something that we'll continue uh, uh, to support without a doubt. Good stuff. Excellent. OK, well, on that happy note, I think we better call time at the bar. Um, James, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate that. Great. Cheers, Jim.